Well, here we are, two days away from what may be the most contentious election of our lifetimes. Now, as I wrote that line the other day, it struck me that it sounded vaguely familiar. <laughs> I went back to my files and discovered I had used almost the very same line in my sermon before Election Day four years ago, in 2016. But as difficult as that election was, we weren't also in the middle of a global pandemic and an economic crisis and a racial justice movement. I mean, we couldn't have imagined our nation being more polarized than it was back then. And yet, here we are. And it raises all kinds of questions for us. What's happening to our country? How did we get here? Where will we be a week from now? Will we even know who our president is a week from now? And maybe the most troubling question of all, how can people I love and respect see things so differently than I do? Have you seen the meme going around that says, I'm going to save a ton of money this Christmas by bringing up politics at Thanksgiving dinner? Well, the truth is we are probably all terrified of those political conversations because they've gone badly so many times. You may be terrified that I'm even bringing it up right now. But as contentious as this election is, we also know how important it is. Both sides are claiming that the soul of America is at stake. So how can we not speak into this moment from a biblical perspective? Uh, because whether the soul of our country is at stake, I can't really say. But it may very well be that the soul of the church is at stake. How we handle this season will have a profound impact on our unity and our witness for years to come. So we began this conversation a few weeks ago, reminding ourselves that followers of Jesus have dual citizenship. We're citizens of an earthly kingdom. For most of us, that's the United States of America. But we are also citizens of a heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God. And, and the priority of that heavenly citizenship means we can't let politics define us, divide us, or distract us. Now, that was all very helpful and enlightening three weeks ago. But in, in less than 48 hours, we have to actually go to the polls and cast a vote in that earthly kingdom. Now, if you happen to be one of the 70-some million who have already voted, hang with me. I think there's plenty here for you, too, today. But how do we do that? How do we vote? How do we participate in this contentious election in a way that, that honors God, honors our country, and honors one another. Now, in case you're getting nervous, I'm not really going to tell you how to vote, as in who to vote for. We will never do that here at Grace. As you can see, I've got my bipartisan purple shirt on. It is both red and blue, because there's room in the kingdom for all of us. So, so no, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But I am going to tell you how to go about voting. How to decide who to vote for, and how to relate to those who vote differently than you do. And then next Sunday, we'll talk about how we live on the other side of the election, however it turns out, because that may turn out to be the most important question of all. So, 
Let's look again to the way of Jesus as we're doing this whole year. Because it turns out that Jesus had quite a lot to say about politics. And today we're going to look at two sayings of Jesus. An intriguing one from the Gospel of Matthew and a more familiar one from the Gospel of Luke. So let's start with Matthew, uh, chapter 10, and we'll be reading verse 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Now, as you probably recognize, this saying of Jesus is the inspiration behind the logo for this mini-series on faith and politics. Serpents and doves, building bridges in polarized times. Now, that intertwined serpent-dove image is a bit out of the box for us. Someone said it looks more like a tattoo than a sermon graphic, and that may be a good thing. And personally, I think it's a whole lot cooler than the traditional elephant and donkey mascots of the Republican and Democratic parties. But before we get it tattooed on our arm, let's figure out what Jesus was trying to say here and what it has to do with politics. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples as he sends them out on mission to the surrounding towns and villages and reminds them that it will be tough going at points. They'll find themselves in hostile territory at times, feeling as vulnerable as, as, as sheep among a pack of wolves. And, and that's not far off from how our political environment feels right now. I mean, we've heard the rhetoric from both sides, the attacks, the accusations. We've seen angry people facing off against each other in the streets. It's rough out there, even with members of our own family and our own church. So how do we navigate what, what feels like a war zone sometimes? Well, Jesus tells us to be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. It's a compelling and, and fascinating juxtaposition of two very different creatures and, and two entirely different qualities. And yet somehow we're supposed to embody both as we represent Jesus in the wider world. Uh, now Jesus is obviously speaking about more than politics here, but how might we apply this teaching to our political engagement? Well, I think he's telling us at least two things here. And the first thing I would suggest is that he's telling us to vote like a serpent. Vote like a serpent. I mean, that's what he says, right? Be as shrewd as snakes. Some other translations put it, be as wise as serpents, or as intelligent as serpents, or as cunning as serpents. We've all seen images of, of a snake coiled in the grass, flicking its tongue, poised to strike, but, but waiting till it's certain of its next move. I, I thought about putting a picture of a coiled snake up on the screen, but frankly, they were all terrifying. It, it's a curious image to be applied to a Christ follower. So what's Jesus trying to say? I think he's telling us to be thoughtful, to be deliberate, to be strategic even. I think he's telling us not to be easily duped or persuaded, to think before we strike, but when we strike, to strike with force and decisiveness. A serpent is a formidable creature, not to be trifled with, 
capable of significant impact. So when we apply that image to the political arena, I think it means we should be engaged citizens. We should be attentive to what's happening around us, discerning of what we see and hear and read. What I like about this image is that Jesus doesn't want us to be passive or oblivious or inconsequential. Sitting it out isn't an option. He wants us involved. So what that means, practically speaking, is that we should be informed and thoughtful voters. We we should understand the issues. We should know the candidates, do our homework. We shouldn't just vote the way our family votes or the way some celebrity tells us to vote, even a Christian celebrity. We don't just listen to the loudest voice or the voice we've always listened to. We listen to both sides of the conversation and even a third, if there is one. A lot like many of you, I check my news feed every day, usually in the morning. I found it's not a good idea to check your news feed before going to bed. Like most of you, I hope I have a variety of news outlets there. The New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, CNN and Fox News. We need to hear from a variety of perspectives. And like many of you, I suppose, I I tuned in for at least a portion of the debates and the town halls. I'll confess, I didn't make it all the way through any of them this year. But but I wanted to get a sense for for the character of the candidates and and their perspectives on the issues. But but what are the issues exactly? As, As Christ followers, what should we be thinking about as we head to the polls in a couple of days. Well, let me refer you to to the statement I mentioned a few weeks ago called, For the Health of the Nation. It's a statement that was put together by a, a coalition of Christian agencies. It identifies eight key issues that that biblically minded voters ought to be thinking about as we cast our ballots. Now, we don't have time to talk about all eight issues today, but I'd like to just list them here so that you and we can be thinking about them as we prepare to vote in just a couple of days. So here are the eight. Protecting religious freedom and liberty of conscience. Safeguarding the nature and sanctity of human life. Strengthening marriages, families, and children. Seeking justice and compassion for the poor and the vulnerable. Preserving human rights. Pursuing racial justice and reconciliation. Promoting just peace and restraining violence. And caring for God's creation. Now, I think believers on both sides of the aisle would agree that these are biblically grounded kingdom values that are good for our nation and and, and good for the world. Now, we may not always agree on which policy or platform or candidate has the best strategy for advancing these values. And that's okay, because neither party gets them fully and perfectly right. And because we need to consider a variety of strategies and solutions. 
And we may not always agree on which of these eight issues is the most pressing or important in any given election season. Each of us is likely to feel especially passionate about one or two or three of these based on our own life experiences and our personal convictions. And that's okay. We need healthy debate and dialogue to, to sort out and, and prioritize these issues. We each need to be passionate about one or two or three of these so that together we can be passionate about all of them. What's not okay, what we can't do, is pass judgment on those whose Christian faith compels them to pursue or prioritize them differently than we might. We can disagree strongly, we can debate vigorously, and we should, so that ultimately we can vote wisely, thoughtfully, and, and decisively. So, If you're still looking for some help in sorting these things out, I'll refer you to a website called the First Principles Project. It was actually founded by someone from our own congregation. It's a partnership of Christian voices across racial, political, generational lines that's offering biblical perspectives on issues of the day. So, vote like a serpent. Be thoughtful. Take your time. Assess the environment. Discern what you believe to be the best course of action, and then vote your conscience. Now, we haven't mentioned it specifically, but, but obviously, prayer is an important dimension of this discerning process. So as you read and listen and reflect, be asking the Lord to guide you, even if it's in a different direction than you might have expected. We'll actually take some time to pray at the end of our message today. So, the first thing we learn from Jesus is to vote like a serpent. But, but voting isn't the only way to be politically engaged. The second thing I think we learn here is, is to speak like a dove. Speaking is, is a form of political engagement. As citizens of an earthly nation, a democratic nation, fortunately, we have the freedom to speak. And as citizens of a heavenly kingdom, as representatives of Christ, we have a responsibility to speak. To speak out on issues that are near to God's heart. To speak up for people and causes that need a voice. To, to speak to each other before the election as we prepare to cast our ballots, and then after the election as we process the outcome. And that speaking can take all kinds of forms. Conversation, debate, blogging, posting, petitioning, campaigning. Even public protest can be a form of speech. But that speaking can, can easily become heated and, and hurtful and, and counterproductive. And some of us really are wondering how we're going to get through that Thanksgiving dinner without a blow-up. That, that, that's why Jesus' words are so helpful here. As he sends his disciples out into the world, he tells them and us to be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. 
Now that word innocent could, could also be translated uh, gentle or harmless or inoffensive. The dove is, is, a, is a universally recognized symbol of, of peace and calm and, and beauty. So while the serpent image calls us to be wise and engaged and impactful, the dove image calls us to be, to be calm and gracious and, and peaceable. But, but don't mistake that gentleness for timidity or, or blandness or irrelevance. I mean, a dove, a dove has a striking presence. You notice a dove. I realize the days of sitting in our backyards and listening to the birds are, are coming to an end, but uh, we happen to have a, a, a nest of mourning doves in, in the pine tree right near our patio. And when they're around, you can't mistake their cooing. It's a distinctive sound. It, it has a calming effect. In the scripture, the dove embodies the spirit of Almighty God. It has presence. So what does it mean to speak like a dove politically? Well, I think it means we, we speak in a way that invites conversation rather than, than shutting it down. It means asking people their opinions before or instead of delivering our own. It means we speak for ourselves and not for all Christians. It means we, we speak in a way that builds bridges between people and groups rather than walls. It means we, we don't assume that everyone in our small group agrees with us or that everyone at the dinner table wants to hear our opinion. It means we attack issues, not people. We question opinions, not motives. Now, speaking like a love, it doesn't mean that we never raise our voice or get excited. It just means we, we don't do it in a way that's threatening or, or accusatory or, or demeaning. And it doesn't mean we never take action or that, that we never take to the streets and protest. It just means that we don't do harm to people or property. So, pause and, and just think for a minute about, about that last political conversation you had or, or that last social media post or, or that last thought you had about another person. Did it build a bridge or a wall? So, Let's not be afraid to speak up and to speak out about, about things that matter. Let's keep speaking to each other before and after the election. But let's speak in ways that, that promote peace, that, that build bridges, that, that bring us together as a nation and, and more importantly, as the people of God. So, Following the way of Jesus, politically, means voting like a serpent and, and speaking like a dove. But it still feels like there's something missing here. I mean, anybody can vote like a serpent and speak like a dove if, if they try hard enough. What's distinctive about Christian voting? What does the way of Jesus look like as we head to the polls? 
So let's go to the Gospel of Luke and, and, and see what we can find out. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in uh, chapter 10. Now, on this particular occasion, a, a lawyer came to Jesus with a question, a challenge, really. Teacher, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, we find out later that uh, he, he's pretty sure that whatever it is to get to the kingdom of heaven, he's already got it. Uh, in typical fashion, Jesus responds to this question with another question. What is written in the law, he says. How do you read it? Now, this isn't a political conversation, but do you notice how Jesus keeps the conversation going by asking a question instead of shutting it down with a declarative answer? Do you see how he, he dignifies the man, giving him the freedom to think for himself and to give his opinion? Jesus, Jesus is gentle here. He's building a bridge. But he's also shrewd, as we're about to see. The man answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. And in this brief exchange, Jesus affirms the overriding ethic of his kingdom, the defining feature of the Jesus way, love. Some of you may remember years ago, in another election season, a campaign strategist famously posted signs all over headquarters saying, it's the economy, stupid. Now, it was meant to remind campaign workers and even, and even the candidate himself that the overriding message of the campaign, the issue that mattered most to people, was the economy. Which candidate was going to do right by them financially. Now, it turned out to be a pretty effective strategy because the candidate won that election. And generally, it's true that a, a healthy economy is, is good for a nation and, and good for its people. But, but Jesus' words here remind us that as we head into this or any election and, and prepare to cast our ballot, that it isn't about the economy, stupid. It's about love, dummy. My mother taught me never to call anyone stupid. For followers of Jesus, our political engagement, our speaking and voting has to be guided and governed by love. And that's not as far-fetched as it sounds. I, I know it's, it's hard to believe in times like these, but politics really can be about love. We pointed out a couple of weeks ago that, that the word politics comes from the Greek word polis, which means city. And not so much city as in buildings, but city as in the people who populate a city. And so that word politics reminds us that we don't live alone. There are other people out there, people that Jesus calls neighbors. And politics is about them as well as us. 
It's about all of us, the whole nation, the whole human race. And so our speaking and voting can't just be about what's good for us, but about what's good for our neighbors. Now, we tend to think of loving our neighbor in, in very personal and, and individual kind of terms. Um, loving your neighbor might mean cooking, cooking a meal for the, for the new mom across the street or, uh, or taking care of your property so that it adds value to the neighborhood. What politics does is it enables us to love our neighbors on a systemic level to provide meals for hundreds of new moms and children through a, a government nutritional program or, or to take care of the planet in a way that adds value to the whole world and to future generations. I mean, let, let's face it, most of us can't do a lot individually to protect unborn children or, or to provide safe passage for political refugees. We can't do a lot about that individually. But, but we can speak and vote for candidates and initiatives that will do something for those neighbors on a massive scale. To, to love our neighbor as ourselves is to want our neighbors to have the same opportunities, the same freedoms, the same protections that we enjoy. And not, not just our immediate neighbors, those who live near us and are like us, but neighbors who are far from us and different from us. And just so we don't miss the point here, Jesus goes on to tell the story here of the Good Samaritan, a man who acted in love towards someone he didn't even know, someone actually from a different people group, someone who would have disagreed with him politically and theologically. He actually sacrificed his economic well-being for the sake of someone he had absolutely no relationship with. So what does it mean to vote with love? It means that as we head into the voting booth, we're not only asking which party or candidate will do right by me, but which party or candidate will do right by my neighbors especially my neighbors in need. And what does it mean to speak with love? It means that before you speak or post or protest, you ask yourself if, if the words you're about to say and the way you're about to say them will build a bridge or put up a wall. Will they promote peace or will they stoke anger? Will they bring people together or, or drive people further apart? Vote like a serpent, speak like a dove, and do both with great love. That's the way of Jesus when it comes to political engagement. We vote wisely, deliberately, and prayerfully. We speak gently, graciously, and peaceably. And we do both with an overriding commitment to be as concerned for our neighbors as we are for ourselves. Even the neighbors who are different from us. Even the neighbors who disagree with us.
So, uh, are you ready to get that image of the intertwined serpent and dove tattooed on your arm? Before you do that, let me suggest an even better mascot. Better than a serpent or a dove, better than an elephant or a donkey. How about a lamb? How about this lamb? It's one of the most striking and compelling names for Jesus in all the Bible. The Lamb of God. Shrewd enough and gentle enough to conquer the forces of evil by laying down his own life for the world that he loves. That's the way of Jesus. So, Let's go to the polls and vote on Tuesday, friends. As dual citizens, it's not only our right and responsibility, it's, it's an act of love. But as we do that, let's remember that the solutions to our nation's problems are not political. They're spiritual, and they're found in the good news of Jesus. And let's remember that the mission of the church is not political, it's spiritual, to share that good news in word and deed. And let's remember that our primary citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Well, in just a moment, we're going to celebrate communion together which is a great reminder of, of our unity of Christ and, and the promise of his coming kingdom. But before we do that, and in the preparation, I'd like to lead us in a prayer. Now, the words will be on the screen, so I'll lead out and, and, and you can respond. Loving God, creator of heaven and earth, watch over our nation during this time of election. Help us to follow in the way of Jesus and to allow our faith to inform our principles and actions. Guide us, Lord, in wisdom, gentleness, and love. We give thanks for the right to vote. Help us to hold this privilege and responsibility with care and diligence, realizing that our vote matters and is an expression of faith, hope, and love. Guide us, Lord, in wisdom, gentleness, and love. Guide our nation, state, and community as we vote for people to work on our behalf and on behalf of our neighbors, near and far. Help us to vote for people and initiatives that will be good for our communities and good for the world. Guide us, Lord, in wisdom, gentleness, and love. Help us create communities that will build your kingdom here on earth, communities that will protect the poor, stand up for the vulnerable, Advocate for those who are not seen and heard and enable all people and groups to live freely and to flourish. Guide us, Lord, in wisdom, gentleness, and love. We pray for our nation that is so deeply divided and pray that we, your people, might show the way to true community as we act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. Guide us, Lord, in wisdom, gentleness, and love. By the power of your Spirit, may we be as wise as serpents, 
and as gentle as doves. And may we do both with great love. In the name of Jesus, the Lamb of God and our coming King. Amen.